Today we continue in the series of Acts of Yeshua's Emissaries, chapter 16. And Alan, if you'd like to prepare yourself, if you've already prepared for recording. Okay, blessed be the name of the Lord. So now let us begin here in verse number 7. Acts chapter 16, verse 7. Let you find your places there. Acts chapter 16, verse 7. And when they came to the frontier of Mysiah, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the spirit of Yeshua would not let them. So after passing by Mysiah, they came down to Troas. And there a vision appeared to Shaul, at night, a man from Macedonia was standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And as soon as he heard he had seen the vision, we lost no time getting ready to leave for Macedonia, for we concluded that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. And so at this time, they're, they have left. They're in the process of leaving what is present-day Turkey. And they're going to go across that sea. And they're now going to enter into a different land, which is Macedonia, which is present-day Greece. And so they're going forward from that place. And so continuing, sailing from Troas, verse 11, we made a straight run to Somothrace. The next day, we went to Neapolis, and from there, we went on to Philippi, a Roman colony, the leading city of that part of Macedonia, and we spent a few days in this city. Then on Shabbat, just like today, as we're gathering on Shabbat, it goes on to say, we went outside the gate to the riverside. And where we understood a minion met, we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. What is a minion? It's a gathering of at least 10 men. And at times, if there's not enough men, they'll add the women to it. And it's an assembly of, of Jews that are worshiping. And notice this, they're outside the gate. They're outside the city. They're outside the place of safety because many times we forget that these villages, there were walls around these villages and there were gates, usually only one gate for those who were coming to that village and so that there would be guards posted around those village walls. So if some enemy or some anyone else would come from afar to, to overtake that village, and take all the people in the captive, and to plunder that whole place, there were guards set up, and there were guards at the gate. And you know, also set at the gates were the leading men of those villages. Those that were in charge were sitting at the gates. And they would only be able to, to let a certain amount of people through. And they were watched because they didn't want weapons uh, brought in, so there could be a rebellion. And so many times we in Western society, we forget about these things. 
the history of what was going on in the time and the place, what is going on in these with these people. So continue now in verse 14. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in fine purple cloth. She was already a God-fearer, and the Lord opened up her heart to respond to what Shaul was saying. Notice that in the scripture. It took the Lord to open up her heart to receive greater revelation of what God was doing. God was bringing salvation to the Gentile people. And so this woman who identified herself as a God-fearer, she would be gathered there with the Jewish people outside the gate. And notice this, she's identifying herself with the Jewish people as a God-fearer. She's not a Jew herself, but any, any uh, persecution or any slight that the Jewish people were receiving from the, from the people of these villages, because they were no longer allowed to worship within the city proper. They were, they were pushed out of that society. And notice that she's identifying with these Jewish people as a God-fearer. And so God saw her heart. You see, you and I can never judge a person's heart, their intentions, what they're thinking. We don't know what people are thinking. We can presume. We, 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 we can watch them. We can observe their conduct. But truly, what? who knows the heart? Does not the scripture say the heart is deceitful? And, he, and that person that even has the heart beating in their chest, their, their emotions, their thoughts, the path that they're on, only God can see and discern where a person truly is. You know what's beautiful? It says about when the Ruach was sent, the Spirit of the living God was sent to us. He's able to do what? To discern between the joint and the marrow, our body, our soul, and spirit. He deals entirely with the truth of what's going on. See, because many times we feel, well, what's happening to us from the outside, where we're working, where we're living, our circumstances. But you see, God sees through all these things. And so that's why it's really uh, important that we see that it is the Lord that's opening up her heart to receive. Just as for Jewish people who do not know Messiah, what does the scripture say? There's a veil that is placed over their eyes. You know, with a veil, I'm looking through my fingers right now. I can see the screen, but my, but my, but my sight is kind of clouded of seeing through that. Just as the Jewish people who do not know Messiah today, there's a veil before their eyes. They have a glimpse of God to a certain point, but they don't have the full revelation of God because what did Yeshua say? When he came, he said this, as you have seen me, Yeshua speaking, not Rabbi Frank, you have seen the Father. To know the Father. And so here, Yeshua is now opening up this woman's heart and allowing her to receive 
further revelation of God. Because she's received revelation from God up to a point, otherwise she would never became a God-fearer. So let us continue here. And the Lord opened up her heart, chapter 16, verse 14, to respond to what Shaul was saying. Otherwise, she simply just would have heard the words, and after leaving that meeting, she just simply would have forgotten about them. But you know what? As her heart was being opened, who was applying these words? Who is bringing life to these words? But the Lord himself. For this was a time for her appointed time of salvation. Just as all of us bear witness to, there was a time and a season in our life when the Lord opened up our hearts or removed the veil from our eyes so we could see Yeshua and then see God the Father far clearer than we've ever seen him ever before. So let us continue here. And after she and the members of her household had been immersed, she gave us this invitation. If you consider me faithful to the Lord, all right, so now she's asking the, the opinion of Rav Shaul, Silas, Luke, who's part of this company, and Timothy. So if you consider me faithful to the Lord, come and stay in my house. See, this was really a true testing, because most likely this God-fearing woman had never had Jewish people within her own home. Did she know how to prepare her house to receive guests who were Jews? She removed everything that would be offensive to them. As for food and everything else, and she was inviting them to her home. And she insisted until we went. And so they had a conversation between those four men. And sensing, is this the Lord leading us in this direction? Because notice this, in the prior scriptures, Yeshua's spirit would not allow them, would not allow them to go to a certain place. So I truly believe they just did not simply give each other one another's opinion, but they said, what is the mind of Adonai speaking to you? And until they were all in agreement, then they went forward. Continued it in verse 16. Once, when we were going to the place, and what is the place? This is another time. The place is where they were meeting as a minion. To the place where the minion gathered. We, we were met by what? A slave girl. Someone else shows up. All right. Now, everyone that was meeting in this minion, the Jews that were meeting in this minion knew who the God-fearers were. All right. They were aware. They had communication. All right. But now, all of a sudden, a slave girl appears. Okay. And I believe this. They probably knew about the slave girl when she came in. And the scripture will reveal to us why they probably knew what she was all about. So let's continue here. Where we met, where we were met by a slave girl 
who had in her, what? A snake spirit. You know, today, that snake spirit has been called a kundalini spirit. Let's go forward here. That enabled her to predict the future. So who's enabling her to predict the future? Is it Adonai? No. It is a snake spirit. What in scripture, who is identified as a serpent? Hasatan. And so this snake spirit, I truly believe, that had the ability to give to this slave girl the ability to predict the future was not of God. And I believe this, the dominion knew what the slave girl was all about. And so when she came and she joined them, uh, they knew that something was, a, was, was at a miss here because she had never come and joined the minion up to this time. You know where Hasatan, the enemy, wants to go? In, infiltrate? Where there's a body of believers meeting. He does, he's not concerned about those people in the world. He's concerned about deceiving and leading astray whom? But the, the remnant of God who are meeting in communities. So let us go forward here. I'll read verse 16 once again. And once when we, and who's writing this book at this time, recording this book, the book of Acts? The Apostle Luke. And so he's part of this group here. But the Holy Spirit, the Ruach, doesn't mention him here. You know what's, what's beauty about humble servants of God? They're not, they're not looking for the limelight. But we know this for a fact. Who wrote the book of Acts? It was Luke. So let us continue here. Verse 16. And once when we were going to a place where the minion gathered, we were met by a slave girl who had a snake spirit. And as I injected, the scripture doesn't say this, kundalini, that enabled her to predict the future. She earned a lot of money for her owners by doing what? By telling fortunes. Do we not have fortune tellers today? Absolutely. 1-800-PSYCHICS, Psychics of California. You go to New York City, what do you see? Pawn shops, jewelry shops, and you see uh, fortune tellers. What is the world looking for right now in this pandemic? They're wanting to know what's their future all about. We have something written that's greater and more contemporary than any fortune telling. And that's the Bible, God's word. God knows the, our past, our present, and our future. He's the one orchestrating all things. We're not to walk in fear, but to walk in the, the direction and the leading of the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of the living God. So let us go forward here. In verse 17, this girl followed whom? Shaul, because that Kundalini snake spirit let her know 
who was leading this group, the person in charge, the, the lead uh, emissary. And it says this in verse 17, this girl follows Shaul and the rest of us. Okay, Luke is part of this group, speaking of us, all right? Otherwise, he would have just simply said, followed Shaul, Timothy, and Silah. Let's continue here. And, and what did she do? She kept screaming, all right? Now, do you know any uh, believer of the Lord that walks around continuously screaming? I don't. If I came up to people at Kohl's, or, or if, I, if I came up to people in my neighborhood, and every time they saw me, I would be screaming at them, do you think I would be welcome in their presence? Absolutely not. So let's continue here. And she kept screaming. And what did she say? These words that are recorded. These men are servants of God. Ha Elyon. The God Most High. They are telling how to be saved. And so it would appear right here that she's actually assisting and she's helping. But is she? No. She's driving people away. Because you can imagine all of a sudden she walks up to people as Rav Shaul is walking through the market. And he's going there to buy some some provisions for food, or maybe he has to buy a, a brand new pair of sandals or something else. And then all of a sudden the slave girl comes up right behind him and, and, and the person that's standing behind that stand, she runs right up to him and starts screaming these words. These men's, men are servants of God, Ha-El-Yom. They're, they're telling you how to be saved. Now what is, what is a person that doesn't even know the Lord their reaction. They don't want nothing to do with this. Okay, let us go forward. And this kept up what? Day after day. What would happen in one of our services if we were all gathered together and all of a sudden a woman showed up just as I was about to or whoever was the guest speaker to, to share the message from the Lord and she came up, she grabbed the microphone, and she started screaming these words. This man or these men are servants of God ha Elyon, and they're telling you how to be saved. And no one stopped her. And she kept saying it over and over and over again. What would most likely happen? Everyone would leave the building. Okay? But what does the scripture say in verse 18? She kept this up day after day. Now, some of us wouldn't allow this to happen day after day after day, would we not? But I believe this, that, that the Spirit of the living God was constraining Shaul. Because you know what? He's a man of action. All right? Remember his past? When he found out about those who were following after the way? He went up to the high priest in Jerusalem and gathered documents where he could go all the way to Damascus, outside Jerusalem, to go and arrest any Jewish people who were following after the way, because he truly believed that they were walking into apostasy, all right? So he was a man of action. 
So let us continue here. Until Shaul, greatly disturbed, turned and said to the spirit, notice this, he doesn't say to the slave girl because she's not in control. See, he has a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, who to speak to directly. Remember the time when Moshe died, Moses died? And who came? But Hasatan. He wanted the body of Moses. But who did Adonai send? Michael. Michael. The angel of Adonai. And what does the scripture say? That there was a dispute going on back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And what did Michael say? The Lord, Adonai, rebuke you. He did not say, I decree and I declare. But he said, Adonai, rebuke you. If you would uh, clearly study scripture when Yeshua dealt with Hasatan face to face or any other demonic manifestation, he would speak directly to that spirit. He wouldn't address that individual. Going forward here. And so Rav Shaul said to the spirit in verse 18, in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. Okay? He's not talking about his credentials here. He says these words. I order you. And who's telling him to do this? This isn't Rav Shaul coming upon this on his own through experience. But he's being led by the Spirit of the living God. Because notice this, my brothers and sisters, Messiah. When they wanted to go to a certain town, Yeshua said no, they obeyed. When the Ruach HaKodesh said don't go to this certain area, they obeyed. And what is Rav Shaul doing? He's letting his words not be his words. But he's allowing the spirit of the living God to speak through him. He is a man underneath authority. If you want a demonstration of meekness, think about this woman screaming that every day, constantly following him. Day after day, he humbled himself in the presence of Adonai and allowed Adonai's spirit to speak in and through him. But the Lord allowed him to get, what? Very disturbed over this. So going forward, and until Shaul, greatly disturbed, turned to her and said to the spirit, in the name of Yeshua Messiah, I order you to come out of her. And what happened? And the Spirit did come out of her that very moment. It doesn't tell us where the Spirit went. Because you know what? That's not what we need to focus on. And that's what the Scripture says here. We see that it was in Yeshua's name. It wasn't because Rav Shaul had arrived. Now he's walking in this power and authority. This so-called anointing 
No, he's being walking underneath the anointing of the Spirit of the living God that comes upon him to say certain exact words to bring glory to God and not to himself. And so that this woman can be delivered from what? This snake spirit, this kundalini spirit. Let's move forward here. Verse 19. Well, when her owners saw what had come out, was any prospect a profit for them? See, they didn't care about that slave girl. They could care less that she was being controlled by a snake spirit. They were just looking at, how does this profit me? Let's continue. They seized Shaul and Sila and dragged them to the market square to face what? The authorities. These pagan authorities. Verse 20. And bringing them to the judges, they said, these men are causing a lot of trouble in our city. Since they are what? They are Jews. Notice, in the city, the Jews were not allowed to worship, not allowed to have a synagogue. They were, they were meeting outside the gates of the city. They were being persecuted. They were being cast out from the general populace of that city. Verse 21. What they're doing is what? They're advocating customs that are against the law for us to accept or to practice. Since what? We are Romans. Okay? Because as a Roman citizen, you'd live a certain way. Let's continue. Verse 22. The mob joined in the attack against them. And the judges, what? They tore their clothes off of them and ordered them that they be flogged, be beaten with whips. Continuing verse 23. After giving them a severe beating, they threw them in prison and charging the jailer to guard them securely. Verse 24. Upon hearing such an order, he threw them into the inner cell and clamped their feet securely between the heavy blocks of wood. Around midnight, Shaul and Sila, in some of your translations, it's Sila, were praying and singing hymns to God. Just think about this. Here it is. They've been beaten. They've been flogged. Their backs, most likely, have been cut open. They're bleeding. They're being mistreated. Did they go to court? No. Was there a trial? No. And here they find themselves in a prison. They haven't given, been given anything to eat or drink. And what's their reaction? Around midnight, Shaul and Sila were what? They were praying. Interceding. And singing hymns to whom? But to God, they're being bearing witness, even though they're being persecuted for no cause of their own. How do they react? 
do they start cursing and blaming God? God, did you not know this was going to happen to us? You kept us from going from all these other cities, but now you've allowed this to happen to us going forward. While the other prisoners listened attentively. Why? Because they could see, they could hear what was going on. The beatings, the imprisonment, being having these blocks upon their feet, their backs open. Normally, what would they be hearing? Cursings, anger, maybe tears. But what do they hear? Sweet songs worshiping their God. This catches the whole prison's attention. And the prisoners are, for the first time, saying, this is different. These men are worshiping their God, and their God has allowed them to undergo this persecution? Let's continue. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake, which shook the prison to what? To its foundations. Now, that's not just a light shaking. Have, have you guys ever been in an earthquake? I have. Back in 1968 in California, I was living in Sacramento, California. I was on my way to school. And what took place there? There was an earthquake. And I could literally see the windows in the shops that I was walking by as I was walking to school. Start, they became, looked like they were, they were like water. Then all of a sudden there was a crack and they just poosh glass was breaking. And I saw the, the, the uh, traffic light signals. They were swaying back and forth. There were palm trees in California, Sacramento, California. I could see what were the cracking going on of some of the brick that was in the houses. Some of the streets were starting to crack and everything. I started, run, started to run towards school. Now the epicenter was like uh, 60 miles away of the earthquake. And so that was my one and only experience of an earthquake. But you notice here in the scriptures, it says that this earthquake shook. It actually shook and broke up the foundations of the prison. So what is happening? There are stones that are starting to fall. Think about this. Rav Shaul and Silas, they're in these stocks. They can't move. There's probably pebbles in them in the head. And what are they doing? They continue to worship God. You know what could possibly be going through their mind? Remember the time when Samson got, grabbed a hold of those pillars that he was in that pagan temple and he was blinded and he pulled it, pulled those pillars, support pillars, and everything fell on top of them? Probably what was passing in your minds, well, we're about to die, you know, Silas, so let's just let's go out in a blaze of glory. They're singing praises unto God. Think about this. They don't know what's going to happen to them next. And when the literally foundations of the prison is breaking up, is not our world right now, we're in a pandemic, and doesn't it seem like our whole world is falling apart? The things that we believed in, the things, the foundations of the earth are just being swaying in all this craziness. We don't know what we're going to live or die tomorrow. That's reality. 
They were living in that same reality in their day. Let us continue here. Verse 26, and then there was a violent earthquake which shook the prison to its foundations and all the doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. That's different. How is the earthquake causing the chains to fall loose? I believe they were broken from the wall, but this says that the chains are falling off. Okay, let's go forward. Verse 27, the jailer now wakes up. Why? Because there's a violent earthquake coming on. That's louder, louder than any alarm clock you would ever hear. And when he saw the doors open, why are they opening up? Because the, the supports of the doors are breaking apart. They're probably falling to the, to the ground. He drew what? His sword. And was about to kill himself. Why is that? Because if any prisoner escapes from the jail, who's responsible? The jailer. He's going to be put to death. And for him to mercifully draw his sword and, and place it into his body would be showing himself an act of mercy. Because you know what would probably happen? He would be tortured for many days, then later put to death. So let us go forward here. He was about to kill himself, for he assumed that the prisoners had now all escaped. You know, you think the guards are going to stand around as the buildings and the rocks are falling upon them? No, they're going to run out to safety to get to some clearing. So let's continue here. Verse 28. But Shaul, he did what? He shouted. You know, this is the only portion in Scripture where I hear him shouting. Don't harm yourself. We're all here. Who is he calling to? The Spirit of living God gives him a word of wisdom and says this to him. The jailer who's watching you is about to draw his sword into himself, to drive his sword into himself. His life must be saved. Let's continue here. Don't harm yourself, we're all here. Now calling for the lights, the jailer ran in and began to what? He began to tremble. Why is he trembling? Because he knows that his life is in the balance. Continuing, he began to tremble and he fell down in front of who? Shaul and Silas. Notice this. None of the other prisoners say, hey, jailer, we like you. Don't harm yourself. Continuing here, verse 30. Then leading them outside, who's leading them outside? The jailer does this. He said, men, what must I do to be what? to be saved. Don't you think that the jailer heard them singing praises and praying? Because you know what? In jails, it's like an echo chamber. You can hear what's going on inside the jail. Going forward in verse 20, excuse me, 31. What was their response? Trust in the Lord Yeshua. And you will be saved, and not only you, but your whole household. Verse 32, whereupon they told him and everyone in his household the message about 
Messiah Yeshua the Lord. Then even at that late hour of the night, remember this? This is beyond midnight now. The jailer did what? He took them and he washed their wounds. Think about that. When they were flogged, hours later, what happens? This is a very dry, arid place. There are flies. What are flies doing? They're doing what flies do. So he took and washed their wounds without delay. Who's doing this? He's not commanding one of his, uh, his servants to do this. The jailer's doing this. And what does the scripture say? He and his people were all immersed. Mikvah, going underneath the waters of immersion. Teshuva, showing fruits of repentance. Verse 34. After that, he, who's the he, the jailer, brought them up into what? His own house. Wait a second. Why is he doing this? Because he has now become saved. He now has a relationship with Yeshua. He's a brand new babe in Messiah. But you know what? What about the recourse of the judges, the mayor, the movers and the shakers of that village? He doesn't care. Because he wants to honor these servants of El Elyon, the God Most High. And after that, he brought them into his house and set food in front of them. And he and his entire household celebrated their having come to trust in God. Remember this. This is a Gentile jailer's home. And they're breaking bread together. And what are they rejoicing of? Of their coming to trust in Messiah, Yeshua. And you know what? Uh, Technically, Paul, Rav Shaul, and Sila, they were prisoners. What jailer brings prisoners into his home, washes them himself, feeds them, and allows them to be in the presence of their own family? Let's continue here. The next morning, the judges sent police officers with this order, release those men. The jailer told Shaul, the judges have sent word to release both of you. So come out and go on your way in peace. But Shaul said to the officers, after flogging us in public, when we hadn't been convicted of any crime, and here's the, the shoe that drops, and our Roman citizens. What was the accusation of them being flogged and beaten and being imprisoned by the, by the handlers of this snake uh, spirit, demon spirit controlled woman? Was that they were teaching and advocating customs that did not follow along with Roman customs? And here's his words to them. We are what? We are Roman citizens. They threw us in prison, and now they want to get rid of us secretly? Are you kidding me? Oh, no. Let them come and escort us out themselves. 
See, there's time when we as believers need to stand our ground. And if the government, any government, is having us do what Adonai doesn't want us to do, what are we to do? We're to stand our ground. Let's move forward here. Verse 38. The officers reported these words to the judges, who became what? Frightened. Why were they afraid? Because if you would do anything, you could not jail or, or whip or do anything against a Roman citizen by Roman law and custom until that person was brought before the judge and had the opportunity to speak on their own behalf, a trial. Let's continue here. And the judges who became frightened when they heard that Shaul and Sila were Roman citizens. They came and they apologized to them. And after escorting them out, they requested them to leave the city. From the prison, they went to Lydia's house, and after seeing and encouraging the brothers, they departed. Today's message has ended. I will go deeper in the, in the scripture our next time.